lot of people working from home during the COVID-19 pandemic have traded their traditional workplace clothes for more comfortable and leisurely apparel, sweatpants, t-shirts, slippers. But a new book takes a closer look at how what we choose to wear can affect how we think and work. Hi, I'm George Bonarchy, and this is Cityscape. Dawn Karen is a New York City-based fashion psychologist. She's been on the show before, but we're so happy to have her back to talk about her new book, Dress Your Best Life, How to Use Fashion Psychology to Take Your Look and Your Life to the Next Level. Dawn, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be back. (laughs) Yeah, we said the first time you were on the show, we would have you back when the book is out. And here is the book, Dress Your Best Life. Yes, it's out. My little baby. I worked so hard. I'm so proud. (laughs) Well, first things first, how do we dress our best lives when we're working from home in the midst of a pandemic and a lot of people don't have much motivation to get out of their pajamas? Yes. um, So I actually have been um, telling my clients, you know, um, a rule that you do not need to be um, in your pajamas for more than three days, just because we actually associate pajamas with downtime and like um, uh, lower vibrations, right? So um, I have a rule of thumb, get out of those pajamas. Um, I also have been writing prescriptions to clients, and this is going to sound a very kooky, I guess, if that's the word, but actually been prescribing um, clients uh, to wear the color yellow. Why? Why yellow? Yeah. So yellow um, is known psychologically to boost the mood, to evoke um, a sense of happiness. Um, and I have a client who's a physician, believe it or not, um, and she has a couple of patients with, with COVID-19. And uh, she, she confided in me and said that, you know, she had been depressed you know, so um, I actually, she doesn't have um, a predilection for the color yellow. She, she cannot stand it, actually. But uh, obviously, this is, you know, a special circumstance. So I actually uh, prescribed her the color yellow and inside to wear inside her home and then outside of her home, whether it's a facial mask or, you know, it's underneath her white coat. And even if it's just yellow socks, and she actually um, reported to me that her mood has definitely improved, you know, so... Yeah. So talk to me more about how what we wear does affect how we feel. Yeah. So, okay. So all of us are, you know, quarantined. We're in the pandemic. And even if we go outside, there's these draconian measures, stringent rules, right? So, um, you know, how what we wear affects our mood. I mean, every time we engage in a new activity, we have a new uniform. You know, you go work out, that's a uniform. You go on a date, that's a uniform. You go to work, that's a uniform. You go hang out with your family, that's a uniform. So being that we're not really allotted this time with family and friends and, you know, with our, um, with our colleagues, you know, at work, we're just, you know, in one environment and it's hard to, you know, break up the monotony. So I've actually been telling clients and students each time you engage in a new activity, change your clothes, you know, um, so that although you're working out in your home or you're going to date in your home, you know, so that it, um, it kind of creates a progression. Um, although you're just, you know, uh, stable or stuck in this one environment. So, yeah. That being said, how do you balance wearing comfortable clothes when working from home while also looking professional? 
Yes. So a lot of people (laughs) initially during the the first part of the quarantine, they were like dressing up in their, you know, regular clothes that they would wear to work. And they were, they were kind of feeling restricted and a bit stuffy. Um, So then they went into, you know, I'm just going to get dressed from the top up, you know, the waist up and um, now I'm just telling people, you know, there's no dress code within your home. Um, and uses time to wear what you want to wear within reason. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would advocate if you're someone that's prone to ex- anxiety, I would advocate, you know, looser fabrics, um, you know, uh, oversized uh, material. It almost will feel like a security blanket, um, if you will. And people who um, need a bit of structure, I would suggest that you do, you know, uh, wear your work clothes within your home. Um, so yeah, it just depends on where you are as far as like your feelings are concerned and, and how the clothes can help you. Are you seeing any new trends come from work from home fashion? Yes. So um, there's actually um, a statistic. I cannot remember the number at this moment, but more people are buying tops than bottoms. Um um, so that's something in retail. I've also noticed that uh, the house dress, um, so women wearing house dresses or men, um, that, that's actually been coming, uh, becoming ubiquitous. Also the onesie, um, so the onesie pajama set, um, that's been co- becoming ubiquitous. So more so pajamas um, and just comfy attire actually has been, this is, has been trending. So um, I feel as if we're going to move more towards um, comfort as opposed to, you know, style and what's trending. I think we're, we're really going to advocate for comfort considering, you know, such the times that we're in, you know, this, this word that we always use, uh, unprecedented time. Um, so I, I think we're going to be moving forward towards functionality, comfort, safety when, we're, when it comes to our clothing. What about after the pandemic ends? Do you see more casual clothing becoming the norm in the workplace? Yeah, I think because we really, the relationship that we're developing with our clothing is more of a casual fit um, and more so what you want to wear as opposed to what your boss is telling you or what's trending. So I believe that we're going to be modest. We're going to, again, we're going to dress for functionality and safety. Um, So uh, it'll be more about what the person wants to wear. Um, I have a chapter in my book, um, it's chapter eight, and it's titled, Are You Dressing for someone else or are you dressing for yourself and you know I believe you know post pandemic we will more than likely be dressing for ourselves and that may include you know I believe 10 times out of 10 it's going to include some comfy attire so I'm here for it um I feel like that will create as I as I said in our previous interview um an alignment between attitude and attire and and when there's alignment between the two the internal and the external I mean you can't go wrong there so you call what you do styling from the inside out yes 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 I do so how does it affect our mental state, if you will, when we are dressing for someone else. When I, for instance, would put on a tie because I know I have to go to an important meeting, but I'm not necessarily a tie guy. (laughs) Yeah. So I see a lot. um, When I'm looking at clients and students, I actually can tell that they feel uncomfortable, um, that this is perhaps some type of mandated, you know, dress code. Um, And I, so usually there's not a, 
there's not an alignment there. So they may feel uncomfortable. Um, they may, their energy may feel a bit scattered or they may feel irritable or perturbed. Um, so, you know, wearing things that you don't want to wear. Um, that's why it's important. I have this, um, this theory, it's called a focal accessory. And it's an accessory that holds some type of, type of psychological value of the past, present, or the future. So it could be like, you know, something of yours. It could be a, a bracelet, but when, when, you're, when you're mandated to wear a particular dress code, it's very important to incorporate aspects of yourself so that you can create this feeling of um, um, being, feeling grounded um, and, and more into, being more in tune with yourself. That's great. I love that. So have an accessory. You might be in an uncomfortable suit and tie, but you might have a bracelet that means so much to you that will change how you feel. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and keep you grounded, you know, and the, you, I mean, we all have roles to play, as I said, in, in different aspects of our lives. And those roles come with the corresponding uniform. So it's important to always have this, um, this uh, attachment to your core, to yourself. And you can do that by incorporating some type of focal accessory. Can I ask you about the mask, Dawn? Because you know what? The blue surgical one, just not working for me. I go out and I feel the same way regardless of what I have on. I could have on a tuxedo and the blue mask, but yet I feel like the blue mask. <laughs> well, um, I would definitely um, encourage you to um, look um, look up some retailers. Um, there's some, like some of my students at a, um, the Fashion Institute of Technology, they actually have been designing masks. So I would just encourage you to um, look at some indie designers um, that are, you know, out there and kind of, I would, I really would advocate for you to match your mask to your outfit because it'll bring everything together. Um, I just find if you're dressing up and then you have this surgical mask, it's just gonna mess up the whole outfit and you're gonna walk out feeling like oh my god what do I have on so it definitely affects your mood you know I mean it's something that we have to cover our face so you might as well cover in style you know let's talk about fashion psychology in general what does it mean to be a fashion psychologist for a lot of people this is a new term Yes. Uh, so what it means to be a fashion psychologist. So um, as you said, my model earlier is styling from the inside out. So when you go to your traditional therapist, your traditional therapist won't even notice that you missed a button or won't even really draw um, this a synthesis between, you know, what you are stating, what, what your elements are um, with, you know, how you're dressed. And so I'm all about, you know, how how is what you're going through if you're going through a divorce or you're really stressed out due to the pandemic i'm i'm looking at your clothing to see if there's some type of a relationship there and and how can we use certain colors certain fabrics to um, alleviate some of the stress that you're going through so that's essentially what i do as a fashion psychologist you are a pioneer in this field yes <laughs> yes i am yes i am <laughs> talk to us about how that all transpired oh well yeah so um i had a traumatic event and i can talk about this um without shedding tears i've already healed over it um uh, and so i had a traumatic event i had a sexual assault that i experienced while i was studying to be a therapist and i was actually working at um a rape crisis center ironically and so believe it or not um uh, due to culture it wasn't really um um, just really appropriate to talk about, you know, air out your dirty laundry, um, if you will. And so I decided to, you know, dress my pain. And, and from there, you know, spawned my, 
my two most important theories, mood illustration dress and mood enhancement dress. So um, I realize that there are a lot of people in the world that may not have the words um, due to, you know, maybe the sensitivity of the issue or due to um, their cultural, you know, um, the cultural mandates that, you know, comes with that. So, you know, we, but we all talk through our clothing, you know, and so um, that's how I, I was able to pioneer it. And 10 years later, now I'm here. <laughs> so what were you saying through your clothing when you were going through that ordeal? Yeah. So I actually utilized um, one of my first theories, mood enhancement dress, which is dressing to optimize your mood. So to uplift yourself. So I was actually wearing like Audrey Hepburn, you know, gloves, you know, the class. I remember wearing heels or an elaborate ball gown. And even though it did not fit the occasion, I mean, you have to think I'm on Columbia's campus where, you know, the uniform is like hoodies and like flip flops and like shorts. So I really stood out, but I was doing what I knew best, which was um, what I what I coined mood enhancement dress um, to help me get through that tough time. And it, and it worked. And I actually uh, uh, use this as a prescription to help many clients and students over the years. So was it challenging for you to carve a path for yourself in this field because it really wasn't something that was so established? Did you have professors to say, Don, what are you thinking? This is not a thing. <laughs> yes. Um, I, 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 some of those professors uh, called me a quack, quack doctor. Um, they referred to me as Dr. Feel, as in, um, you know, Oprah discovered Dr. Feel. And uh, I've experienced a bout of uh, racism, um, you know, pioneering this field as a, as a young Black woman. Um, so I, I've been fraught with a lot of... Um, obstacles um but what keeps me going is uh gen z and and you know the alpha generation so the generations that will be coming after me they they actually when i say the words fashion psychology they totally understand it um but i i've been i have had a lot of, a difficult time um most people if you think of the psychology the founding fathers of psychology they're old white men and it's no offense but it, there's really no diversity so um i've had people in very very high positions um that are you know older than me you know um um, that, you know, have said some, you know, just, I wouldn't even, like I said, quack doctor, Dr. Phil. And it, at times, you know, it, it does affect, you know, my mental health and kind of makes me depressed. But then, you know, at one point I looked up how, how much Dr. Phil was worth and I saw $400 million and I said, well, that can't be too, that bad, you know, and then I, I actually talked to my students um, and they just really, really, you know, push me and they, they really support me on social media and, and some of their posts have gone viral. So they actually, you know, they keep the battery in my back, you know, um, and just let me know that I'm not alone in this time where we're all about diversity and we're all are, we all are in this together. Um, so yeah, but I, I appreciate you for even asking that. <laughs> you teach at FIT, right? Yes, yes, I do. Yes. So in the last 10 years, have you noticed people following in your footsteps? Do you see more people devoting their time and attention to fashion psychology? Yes. So those same persons that called me a quack doctor, they are following Bahamas um, footsteps. Um, some of them, I, I, I 
don't want to be so uh, crass in saying this, but I've actually had a professor who, you know, said some derogatory remarks regarding the field, um, go on sabbatical and actually take uh, my, the, the premise of my idea and implement it at another university. So I've had many people, um, and academia, this is quite normal. Um, but uh, I have many people try to come behind me and say that they're fashion psychologists. So in doing so, I've actually carved out uh, my own institution, Fashion Psychology Institute, where I, where I personally certify um, students and, you know, from Australia, Lebanon, the Netherlands, um, Japan, the U.S. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of it's it's you know for every um every obstacle there's an opportunity so when people have tried to copy me which is great imitation is the, the best form of flattery mm -hmm. um i've i've come up with the fashion psychology institute so it's um it's 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 just, it's just interesting um but you know i mean that that comes with the territory and you know when i get these interviews then it's letting me know that okay my my work is not in vain so <laughs> Historically, if you are to look back, can you find people in traditional psychology who were sort of doing fashion psychology, even though they weren't calling it fashion psychology? Yes, I actually would say um, um, that uh, many people, because even in the realm of social psychology, they did study dress, um, you know, clothing, the impacts of clothing. Um, in the 19th century, there was um, someone named William James, and he sort of wrote a chapter in his book, Harvard professor, Harvard psychologist, um, wrote a chapter in his book about our relationship with attire. So the, the, this notion of applying psychology to clothing has been around, but what's pioneering and cutting edge what i've actually done is created an, a discipline out of it no one actually gave it a face you know no one branded it and made it cool to do like i have people that are like i have seven-year-olds like writing me on social media saying i want to be a fashion psychologist when i grow up and i'm like you're seven what do you know you know so it's so cool <laughs> What advice do you have for people who want to change up their wardrobe but simply don't know where to start? Yes, so it can be very overwhelming. I would just say do not do not go out and purchase something. And if you do purchase something, out with the old and with the new. So get rid of something. Um, start with, before you even go to your dresser or your closet, start with with how you feel. I, I would love for you to do a self check-in and determine what emotion is coming up for you. And then, you know, dress according to that emotion. If it's sadness, if it's happiness, um, you know, dress according to that. If you're like, hey, you know, wearing, uh, wearing sad clothes to me or like wearing sweats well you can wear those sweats and be comfy and it's okay to feel emotions you know so when you feel something it'll pass you know you can dress accordingly or you can say hey i'm feeling sad and i want to wear yellow or i want to wear my favorite color so you know starting with um the, starting with the internal starting with how you feel and then dressing accordingly what are among the questions you're asking people to ask themselves you just mentioned some but what are some of the others mm -hmm. uh, do you are you someone that um um, wears the same outfit, you know, for some people wearing the same outfit quells anxiety and um, improves work productivity. Um, are you someone that, you know, when you go into a social environment, you wear one thing um, and then when you go in another environment, you wear another. So um, for members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, perhaps, you know, you're not 
you know, all the way out yet in front of your family and your, and your family, but then in front of your friends, you are. So it sort of depends, but, um, and, and if you get the book, uh, dress your best life in chapter two, um, I have a quiz called what's your style story. So you can take it and kind of glean from there what type of person you are. <laughs> Which is really helpful because it's hard to determine your own personal style. You know, am I a khakis guy or am I, you know, a jeans guy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and the personality behind that, the personality, the psychology behind that. So um, it's just, it's just a start of, um, you know, a little quiz just to kind of get your feet wet. But it's, um, it's definitely in chapter two. And I even have it on my website. If, uh, if you want to go on there, fashionpsychologysuccess.com, and you could take the quiz as well there. <laughs> Where do you find inspiration for your own personal style? Oh, well, I would say I'm, I call myself minimalist uh, glam. Um, so um, definitely into minimalism, definitely into being um, eco-friendly, um, you know, uh, having a woke wardrobe, which is, you know, knowing where my items come from um, and, and being conscious of what I place on my body. So, you know, I am very much into minimalism. I know all my pieces, um, actually having um, excessive amounts of clothing and accessories gives me anxiety. So I keep it at a certain amount and glam. I love sequins. I love prints. I love African prints. I love polka dots, checkers. Like I love those fabulous things. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my style. You say in the book that our very first fashion role models tend to be our moms. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, moms can do no wrong. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, so yeah, your mom, you know, because you, you know, I remember when I was um, a girl, I, a young girl, I would play in my mom's shoes and she said, I never could have something for myself, you know. So, you know, you can look to your moms or, or, or other, we could say celebrities or influencers for your style. But yeah, your mom is usually the first person to kind of, you know, get you together. <laughs> Your book includes several case studies. What for you is one that has some of the best takeaways? Oh, well, um, well, all of them. I, I'm, I'm a little biased, all of them. But I would say um, something that's um, relevant to our times. I talk about um, considering that we're in a pandemic. We're also in a revolution right now. And, you know, one of my case studies uh, chronicles um, a judge a judge um, in New York City that was a client of mine who, when he took off that robe and he got on the subway, you know, he could possibly could have been mistaken as a, um, a thug or a hoodlum, you know, no one knows that he's like a judge, you know, so I um, actually talk about um, him in a case study and, uh, you know, the, the psychology behind, um, you know, going from, um, looking appearing to be a judge you know something's very powerful to wearing regular civilian clothes and not really knowing if people can recognize that power and and potentially you know having to be mistaken as a you know and be targeted so that's um i think that's mostly you know relevant to you know considering the the times that we're in so i think that that case study is uh yeah yeah, it's on point. <laughs> that being said, Don, do we see code switching in fashion? Yes. Um, I actually have a term that talks about uh, fashion identification, assimilation, or fashion code switching. And it's basically, um, you know, you may portray yourself one way in a particular environment and may, may portray yourself in an another way. Um, but it, the persons are you. 
you're just doing it rather for safety. Um, like I mentioned, um, the client who um, uh, what, identifies as LGBTQ, um, he didn't come out to his family yet. You know, so when he went down south um, to, you know, North Carolina to visit his family, you know, he were starkly what it means to be masculine clothes. And then when he was in New York, obviously where, you know, it's much more liberal, he could cross dress and wear what he wants to wear. So that's a bit of fashion code switching. That's more of a safety issue. You know, maybe someone would say, no, come all the way out. But, you know, he's obviously doing it for a reason. Um, so, the, you know, I think we, we do that a lot. Even um, some Muslim clients I had of mine, you know, when they touch Europe, they take off their hijabs, you know, so it's, it's a safety issue. And, and it doesn't mean the person's not being real or authentic, any less authentic. Um, so, yeah, I, I talk about those in the book. Yeah, but of course, the challenging part of that, unfortunately, is that they can't be themselves, I'm sure, when they're dressed for someone else in that way. Yeah, I'm more they're just being uh, portions of themselves, even, you know, right now, considering the mask, if I related to something um, current in the pandemic, there are young black men who are getting targeted as robbers, right? Because when, you know, the stereotype is when you see a young black man with a facial mask, he's gonna rob, rob you, you know, so um you know, that's some of the things they have to think about, like, oh, when I put on this mask, I need to keep myself safe, but then I also need to be cognizant of the perception. So uh, I, I would say that the person is just being a portion of themselves, um, and it's for safety reasons. I would actually prefer the person to be safe than to, you know, um, fully be themselves and then, you know, be accosted or ostracized. How does color theory play into personal fashion? Yes. So uh, this is, my students love this aspect, you know, um, certain colors denote certain meanings. It evokes certain feelings. Um, blue for trust and authority. You know, we have certain uniforms, you know, white is for innocence. Our doctors wear white coats, you know, our uh, policemen wear, you know, blue, dark blue, trust and authority. So um, colors are ubiquitous. They're all around us and they, they evoke certain meanings. And, you know, generally, I, I have um, some general meanings, but, you know, it also depends on the person at an individual level. If someone was bullied um, and they were bullied and, and they remember they wore a red sweater, perhaps they no longer have a predilection for red anymore, you know. So it sort of depends on, you know, the person's childhood experiences with um, color. But generally, um, psychology of color, like I said, it evokes certain meanings. And I actually prescribe um, colors to clients and students depending on you know what issues they are facing like the yellow like you mentioned yeah 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 <laughs> you mentioned the term fashion situational code switching your book includes a glossary of terms another term that you use is decision fatigue what is decision fatigue yeah so decision fatigue we make so many decisions a day i mean you know, people don't even consider like, even when we're posting on social media, like that's a decision. So we're really fraught with so many decisions, which can be overwhelming. So, you know, people who suffer from decision fatigue, you know, I actually prescribe that they wear the same outfit. So those would be equivalent to the late Steve Jobs, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Silicon Valley tech guys, you know, wearing the same outfits to sort of quell their anxiety. And, and I, I would actually, 
even prescribed that during the pandemic, you know, um, you know, kind of wearing the same outfits in your home. So, so that you're not overwhelmed, you know, or have a particular like Zoom uniform. When I'm appearing on Zoom, I'm going to wear this so that you don't feel overwhelmed. So should we lay out our clothes the night before? Is that a good idea? Well, oh, that's okay. So someone else asked me this before, and I have students who are into this um, as well. So it's the same methodology. I would just say determine your mood or, or determine how you want to feel the next day. So still start with your emotion, start with that feeling, and then pick according to that. The only difference is you're just doing it 24 hours before. Can we talk about shopping? What's your advice for people who want to become smarter shoppers, whether that be in the traditional store or shopping online, which a lot people, a lot of people are doing much more these days. Yeah. So again, out with the old and with the new, know why you are buying something. Are you buying something to layer or to cover up something you do not want to face? So, you know, get to the root of why are you shopping? Am I shopping because I'm anxious and I have no control? And this is the only thing I can control in my world. What's going to show up in, you know, my Amazon box the next day. So just knowing why you're shopping. And I, I would say knowing where from which, you know, where, where, where's this, where's this outfit come from? You know, I think that is, is a part of, you know, shopping scientifically, shopping smart. And finally, is there something that everyone should have in their closet? A break in case of emergency garment. Okay, emergency. Okay, pajamas, um, slacks, little black dress, <laughs> and your favorite color. Whatever is something that's your favorite color. Your favorite color, your favorite accessory. Um, those, those are some things off the top of my head. <laughs> and regardless of what you pick, always dress your best life. Right, Don? Yes. Don Karen, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> the book is Dress Your Best Life, How to Use Fashion Psychology to Take Your Look and Your Life to the Next Level. The author is New York City-based fashion psychologist Don Karen. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thank you so much for listening.